Hlu, Kai Hlu, Hedran Hlu. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Everybody and welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the great Dr. Carl Totten, C. Joe, as we call him in, on this show. Hello. And uh, right now, for for those of you listening as the shows come out, versus those of you who are in the future or tapping into what we're doing, uh, in December there's a new uh, Star Wars movie coming out, The Force Awakens. So The Force is awakening, and I couldn't help but note... I don't know whether it's intent. I'm assuming it's intentional on some level that there is a lot of uh, when they talk about the Force in Star Wars, a lot of it sounds a lot like the Tao, <laughs> and there are a lot of kind of like Taoist concepts when Yoda trains Luke, and uh, you know, and just the, the way the Jedi speak with each other and their practices, and the the Force, you know. The force, you know, flows through everything, <laughs> much like the Tao. And it's about how uh, the Jedis kind of tap into the force that gives them their power. So it's very, very similar to the Tao. So I was just you know, screwing around on the Internet, and I found that some guy had written the Tao of Star Wars. Hmm. And so there was this little segment here I wanted to go over. And uh, through effortless action, or Wu Wei as we call it, you can feel the Tao. You, can, you cannot harmonize with the Tao if you don't feel or are not aware of its presence. Throughout the Star Wars series, these, those strong in the Force are constantly talking about feeling the Force. In Star Wars, when Luke is learning how to use a lightsaber against, use a, a lightsaber against the remote, Obi-Wan count, counsels him. Remember, a Jedi can feel the Force flowing through him. <laughs> you mean it controls your actions? Partially. But it also obeys your commands. <laughs> and then there's another scene where in The Empire Strikes Back, Yoda admonishes Luke to feel the Force during his training on Dagobah, saying a Jedi's strength flows from the Force. In one scene, he tells Luke to focus and to feel the Force. Feel it. <laughs> and then Luke becomes kind of distracted by R2's beeping, and then he loses his balance, and Yoda concentrates. So, like, Yoda's, like forcing him to kind of feel and tap into this en in, uh, energy field. And it's very, very similar to the Tao. I, I can imagine in martial arts on some level, right? Because I, 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 I know very little about I took karate in college for about a couple months, but that was about it. <laughs> so I, I, I'd imagine that when you're practicing like uh, judo or that you're kind of wanting to get on some spot of effortless action, right? Where it's no longer about thinking at all. It's about tapping in and being in the zone, yes. right? And then just having that energy and being on that level. Going with the flow. Yes. Yes. So in a certain way, Yoda is kind of harshly, 
it's a weird thing to admonish somebody to go with the flow, right? <laughs> to like really start, you know, whipping them like a horse and saying, just go with the flow. But really, that's kind of the discipline, I guess, required in Star Wars to do this. But it's a similar thing, I feel. Yeah, and obviously George Lucas uh, did his homework <laughs> yeah. when he put that, you know, put that, uh, you know, original um, se- series together, you know, films together. And, uh, you know, he, he studied, uh, you know, what happened in martial arts, what happens in uh, a lot of this, you know, Taoist and Zen, you know, literature, you know, the teacher-student relationship, and, yeah. you know, and all these things about becoming a warrior, a Jedi Knight, you know, who's skillful and wise and uh, compassionate at the same time yeah. and has these, all these, you know, these great skills which come not only from practice, but from letting go and allowing things to happen. And like you were saying, you know, it can be led to, there's a saying in the Chinese, the E leads the Qi. Okay. And E means the mind intent, the will, if, if you will. And then that takes your, uh, taps into it and collects with your energy, and then the body follows. Right. And so the mind is sent out there and then if we actually have a, a practice in Qigong and like Tai Chi and Kung Fu that I teach where you actually envision yourself performing perfectly. See, so that's the mind intent. You want to see yourself at your best. And then you see threads of energy from this mental picture attached to your body and it pulls the physical action out of your body. Mm-hmm. See, so now you have the mind, the in, the chi, the energy and the body all linked together. It's some kind of alignment. Action. Yeah. They're all in alignment, which of course leads to alchemy, <laughs> yeah. which leads to manifestation. Yeah. And a more powerful very powerful at that point. And so and then also there, there's a there's a scene where you were just saying you said let go and I said that's exactly in here where there's the uh at the end of, uh, I guess you'd call it episode four, the uh, Luke is uh, getting ready to blow up the Death Star, and then he, he turns off his targeted computer, because Obi-Wan yes. says to him, you know, use the Force, feel and it, feel it, and let go, and then feel he let go, and then, what are you doing? You're getting rid of all this technology that you know. He's like, no, I'm just going to be in the zone here, I'm going to nail this shot, you know. So I don't know, I thought it was kind of cool, and whenever I see this stuff, and even in the... Uh, I remember one of Bruce Lee's films, he's saying to his disciple, don't think, feel. Right. And Bruce Lee was a Taoist. I was reading, they had a list of prominent Taoists on Wikipedia or whatever. And, uh, Bruce Lee was on there. Yeah, well, he certainly studied uh, philosophy uh, in college, and he used a lot of, uh, um, uh, I think, just basic uh, truth and truisms from Taoism as part of his uh, practice. Oh, nice. Yes. No, that you was know, he talked day, about right? talked about water a lot and emptying your cup, you yeah. know, things that are used in Zen, for example. Yeah, Bruce actually was born in San Francisco and then was raised in Hong Kong. And then when he moved back to the States, he, he lived briefly in San Francisco and then actually started his teaching career in Seattle. Yeah. And then he had a school. So he had three schools, ultimately. He had one in Seattle, he had one in um, Oakland, and then one in Los Angeles, Chinatown. Ah, Nice. So uh, moving on here, uh, we're going to talk uh, also on the show a little bit about uh, becoming a Taoist priest uh, and a little bit about immortality. So this is we've got some good stuff here. And then if we have time, because Im- immortality, that's a good one. That's, <laughs> that's a darn good topic, Carl. And uh, so if we, then if we have time, we're going to get on to Chapter 16 of the Tao Te Ching, which I think rolls nicely into the concept of immortality. But uh, the question was, 
So how does one officially, because you are a Taoist priest, uh, how, is, is there a, a, a formal, because I always feel that the Tao, an understanding of the Tao flies in the face of formality, right? It's usually kind of rebelling against formal types of things. Um, so how does one, is there a formality involved in becoming a, a Taoist priest or... Well, there is, and of course, there isn't. <laughs> yeah. The answer but, uh, you get to every but of course. <laughs> so, I mean, traditionally, you know, you had temples in China where people would go and live, and while they're in the temple, they're being trained to become a Taoist adept or a Taoist priest. You know, there's a process of learning what one had to learn in order to receive ordination as a priest. Mm. So you kind of are get your official papers you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so like one of my teachers you know in China he spent 13 years growing up in a Taoist temple and in the temple he learned various practices that would help him later as in, in when he came here and, and had a, a life of service you know so he would learn physical practices you know things like the martial arts kung fu to strengthen the body and mind he would learn meditation he would learn you know, qigong, obviously. He would learn about the classics from Chinese literature, things like the Tao Te Ching and the I Ching, and on and on and on. He would learn about ritual and ceremony, how to do weddings, how to do funerals, you know, things that any parish priest you know would know yeah. how to do. He'd learn about cosmology, about the universe, how to align with the forces of nature and the universe, how to do blessings, ritual blessings and cleansings and healings. Uh, they learned a lot about um, uh, Chinese uh, herbs and how to use herbs for healing various conditions. Uh, and, and even how to do things like exorcisms, you know, to rid people of, you know, unwanted states of being that they had become uh, connected with somehow. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so yes, there, there was a kind of a formal training program. And to this day, you know, there's that white cloud temple in uh, Beijing. You know, they're, 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 they have priests there and there's a priest training program. And so in, you know, in various places in China and certainly in you know, Hong Kong and Taiwan, you know, there are places where one can go study these things. Yeah. Uh, here in the United States, of course, it's much, much more rare. Mm. Um, at the Taoist Sanctuary, where I began studying in 1969, 1970, the founder of it, a man named Dr. Kai Alkdi, very interesting gentleman, uh, pretty well known. He was an actor. Remember uh, the original Hawaii Five-O? Yeah. He was Wofat, oh, you know, okay. the infamous red Chinese agent who oh, okay. was the yeah. best villain on that entire show. I do, I do remember the name. <laughs> I, I used to, I used to watch that when I was a kid many oh, years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. So he was an actor. He was a Taoist scholar. He wrote a, a well-known text on uh, on Taoism called the Eleventh Wing. In fact. He, um, um, he, like I say, he was an actor. He was a psychologist. He was a hypnotherapist. Oh wow! Uh, he, uh, he, a very interesting uh, person. I, and feel, so, I feel like you, you are very similar to you. No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've kind of followed in his yeah, footsteps to some extent. Yeah, credentialed in a very. Yeah, he, yeah. he was one of my role models for sure. Good. A very interesting and unique, dynamic human being, and uh, so he had a training program to teach people about 
these aspects of the Tao. And then my teacher from China was teaching, you know, some these, you know, the Qigong and the meditation and the martial arts and about Chinese medicine. And so we had those practices with the philosophical and spiritual practices. And so a lot of us received training back in the 70s in all of these traditions. And then when we kind of started our own school and program, uh, I opened up in 1980. So I started there in 1970, and then I became kind of the director in 1980. <laughs> and then I became, and then in 1981, I opened up right here. We've yeah. been here since 1981, in the wow. same location. And then 1983, we actually put together our own kind of priest training ordination program, and um, and on and off over the years you know we've we've uh, both here and our affiliate in San Diego the Taoist sanctuary of San Diego we've had programs where we've trained people to assume some of these roles and functions mm. and then some of the other people who were trained I might say at the level of being an abbot there's a so-called we have something called the academy of abbots you know those who went to the highest level and also kind of opened their own schools um, some of them are in the, up in the Bay Area and up in the Washington, uh, state of Washington. One's in uh, Florida. One's down in, I think, New Orleans. So, so there's kind of a, a group of us, you know, who, who teach and train uh, others to move along this path. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of like an informal network, at least within our uh, organization, to provide some structure and support for persons wanting to know more about these ancient traditions. Nice. Okay. Awesome. That's a that's a perfect response. Uh, <laughs> here's a question: How what is a uh, Taoist funeral like? Most Taoist ceremonies have something to do with the five elements. You know, oh, earth, like... wood, fire. You know, air, water, metal. Somehow these elements are they're woven into the um, the weddings. They're woven into the funerals, because you know you might say that these elements are symbolically represent earth and us as you know, citizens on on this earth, and how you know these and in Chinese medicines you know each of these elements you know support and turn into the other there's a yeah. creative cycle right. and there's also a destructive cycle you know like for water can put out a fire right. for example you know they're all <laughs> and, but, but yet water can nurture the earth and make things grow they're in right? harmony so, but they're competing they're, with each other yeah, right? they, yeah they, they both create and uncreate <laughs> each other and, and so a funeral um yeah, I, you know, I do the things that I'm sure many uh, priests or ministers would do. You know, I interview the family. I get the story of the deceased and their relationship, you know, so that I can we weave into my narrative, if you will. I tell people stories and, you know, and, and how this person was significant in their life. But I also weave in the ancient Taoist elements of the five elements and, and how this helps the person move through their life journey. And now that their journey is at a, at a, at a completion on this level, we need to you know, let them go here mm -hmm. so they can, their spirit can move on to wherever it's going next. Right. And so it's, seen, it, it's a way of getting people to recognize that life and death, it, my, you know, my teacher said life and death exist in the same breath <laughs> at the beginning and the end of the breath. Right, right. <laughs> and so this is a natural cycle. 
And so that's what a Taoist funeral was like. It's getting people to realize that death is part of, part of life and that the end of the journey, a new one perhaps begins. Right. Uh, one that we don't necessarily participate in, but the deceased will. Mm. And we're all going to get there. <laughs> we're all going to get there. Now, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I, it was funny. You were talking about the five elements and that cued in a heavy moment in my life. I was in India on the river Ganges, and which my wife begged me not to bathe in, but I did. <laughs> you can't go all the way to the river Ganges and just look at it. That's it's right. Like the most polluted river in the world. Like, I'm jumping in. But if, if, for, for those that are unfamiliar, the river Ganges is you know the holiest river in India, and people bathe in it to kind of cleanse themselves. And it's also a place where people go to die. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they have kind of, there's this one area where they, it's kind of a hill and you walk up the hill and there's all these little kind of rooms around it on like, it will be, I guess, a second or third story. And people who are dying go there, they stay in the rooms and then their bodies are cleansed and they're put on these funeral pyres yes. and then they are burned uh, to be with the five elements, yes. the, the ether, the water of the river below, the wood they're being burned on, the you know all these different elements. And they said that right here at the Ganges was where it all kind of comes together. Hmm. And so it was the perfect place where no matter if the person was rich, poor, they all wound up right there. And so we walked up there, and I didn't think we realized how close we were going to get to the business end of this. And we walk right up, and it was from me to you. You know, we're, we're sitting about five feet from each other. There were bodies just on fire, mm. right? This and the ashes, you know, coming into your face, mm. and you could smell. There was a smell there, and it was, it was in a weird way. It was like being in the almost a human junkyard, hmm. in a way. But it was so final, and and it was the darkest. And also almost the most beautiful thing I've ever seen simultaneously mm. of being around dead body. And there are guys up there, their whole lives, their whole jobs were performing this function. They asked for a very large tip. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in India runs on the tip system over there. But uh, And so, yeah, and it was, it was real heavy. I'm just standing there with my wife like... Wow, this is. It, it felt like almost like a scene in Schindler's List or something, where yeah. you're seeing all these almost yeah. atrocities. But this was just a beautiful mm. thing that they were doing with their dead, and uh, it that was probably one of the most powerful moments. I don't think I'll ever see anything as hmm. as powerful and final, and so embracing of of death. So we're standing there, we're looking out all over the river Ganges, and seeing just the river flow by, and you see this person you know, going up in flames and there's the ashes on you and there's the Indian man explaining the ceremony and my wife and I and some friends are kind of shell-shocked. So then we finally, we walk down the hill, just kind of take a breath and go, oh, wow, that was, I didn't, you know, we wanted to see something in India. We saw it. You saw it. We saw it. And you so saw. once we're walking down the, the hill and my wife's kind of like taking a breath, like, oh my Lord. And we have this moment and once we kind of had this calm and this release, the pitter-patter of feet coming around the corner came, and there was another dead body they brought right by us, and it was like, oh, <laughs> you know. 
So then I went back to my room and I, I read and had, had a mango and vodka but <laughs> to relax myself. But it was so heavy. And I saw the idea of these five elements there. And it was it was beautiful. You know, Dallas uh, funerals tend to be uh, a bit more sedate than that. <laughs> yeah. I remember once I was visiting San Francisco and I was visiting uh, one of the really nice Dallas temples there the Ching Chung Taoism Association. <laughs> and all the temples in San Francisco, Chinese in Chinatown, Buddhist or Taoist, they're all in second or third or fourth story buildings. And it's, if you don't know that they're there, you have a difficult time even finding them. Mm. But this one, I knew exactly where it was. And you have to go up an elevator a few floors, then you come outside and you, and you go inside, and then there's this gorgeous Taoist temple in there. And so one year, as I was went into the elevator, I got in the elevator with this young woman who was uh, actually crying, and I asked her, well, what's, what's wrong? And it turns out her father had died, and she was going upstairs to the Taoist temple where they were going to have the ceremony, his funeral. Mm. And uh, he was in an urn, you know, he had been cremated. And so we were all invited, you know, the three or four of us, to, to join and because they knew me and they knew that I had a Taoist center here and mm. they they asked me to participate in the ceremony. Oh, nice! Uh, well, for the funeral for this woman, this young Chinese woman's father, and uh, it was very nice. And so we kind of walked around and we did some chanting and we burned incense and we consecrated his spirit to the Tao nice. and uh, you know helped her let go and uh, and at the end uh, you know she was smiling and uh, she felt that it really helped her. Oh, wonderful! And uh, and so it's it's, it's more if you. Funerals are both for the living and the dead, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the living have to be helped to to go on, and uh, and the deceased, we help their spirit move to whatever is next in the <laughs> in the great adventure of life. Yeah. Move on to the next chapter. <laughs> What's this? Dowell about is recorded at the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Check out the Institute.com. See their schedule of classes, including Taoist meditation, Kung Fu, and Qigong. That's Institute.com. So let's talk a little bit about uh, a, a concept in Taoism that I don't think See, we got plenty of time. Uh, we have plenty of time. Uh, a concept that I don't think we've really addressed, and I think it's a very important part of it, that there is an element in Taoism which is almost a quest for immortality. Mm. And, and longevity is very important in Taoism. Um, so please speak on <laughs> there's the yeah, setup yeah speak speak on the you know the most uh, uh, powerful uh, spiritually elevated topic there is in life <laughs> yeah. go yeah. for yeah. it Co comment on that <laughs> your thoughts <laughs> and of course there are many thoughts um, let me just read a couple of things from the Tao Te Ching, as a matter of fact. At the end of chapter 16, which we'll talk a bit more about in a little bit, it says this, Being divine, you will be one with the Tao. Being at one with the Tao is eternal. And though the body dies, the Tao will never pass away. Hmm. And at the end of chapter 33, To die but not to perish sometimes translated as to not be forgotten, mm -hmm. is to be eternally present. 
So, some people who are followers of the more philosophical tradition, the more scholarly tradition, if you will, uh, will of Taoism, feel that Taoism doesn't really have a concept of immortality, and that the the so the death and the the eternal aspect of that that the Tao Te Ching, uh, that, yeah, that the Tao Te Ching speaks of, is more being remembered. And if you're remembered, that's a form of immortality. Mm. And so some scholars or philosophical Taoists approach it that way. However, Taoist uh, adepts, those who have been trained in what we've been talking about in some of these shows in terms of the alchemy, you know, the three treasures, taking the, 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 the essence of a person and combining that with their energy and then combining that with their spirit, what that's doing is cultivating a sense of abundant good health so that longevity is definitely, as you mentioned a little earlier, is definitely a goal, uh, I think, of many uh, Taoist practitioners. And many of them, kind of like in the some of the stories in the Bible where you have people living to be you know, hundreds of years yeah, old. Methuselah. Methuselah and all that crowd. Yeah. A lot of the ancient Taoists were said to live a very, very long time uh, as well. Uh, you know, again, several hundred uh, years by doing these practices yeah. and by living a, sometimes a, kind of an, an ascetic type of life. You know, they're up in the mountains and they're celibate and they're, they're vegetarian and they're yeah. meditating for hours and hours a day. And, you know, the Taoist immortals are said to exist on what? Dew and air. Ooh, <laughs> that's awesome. But the way they got there was by was through training in this alchemic form of internal yoga, you know, that involves, you know, somewhat complex practice, breathing practices and doing various postures and movements, linking the, the mind, the body, the breath with the spirit. And that cultivates these higher states of awareness to, that lead towards enlightenment and also towards longevity. And then the perfect Taoist death, let me describe it for you, the real Taoist immortals. Is it like, like Obi-Wan Kenobi where you just yes. disappear? Yes, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, um, they, they, they actually will tell you when they're going to, quote, die. Wow. You know, they, having left their bodies and traveled to the astral planes, of course, you know, thousands of times probably. Um, they tell you, they'll say, okay, on this date, uh, it, would, it would be time for me to move on to where I'm going next. And uh, so when the date comes, they sit down, they say their goodbyes, and they sit in their lotus position, and they close their eyes, and they leave. Wow. Now, is that dying? Well, the body uh, <laughs> has been left behind, but where did the spirit? Spirit go, yeah. it, went, it, 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 it ascended. See, so this is the process of ascension. And uh, so I, th I think that schools of Taoist practice that are beyond just the scholarly and philosophical embrace this way of training to have a, abundant good health while you're here and to see through these practices uh, you, you'll read the ancient text that he talked about the cultivation of the immortal fetus, oh. the immortal fetus, you know, so that inside this aging body, there's this young, yeah. energetic body being created. And when oh, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah. I was reading about that the other day, and it was a, almost a meditation technique where the people were, through meditation, creating this 
internal fetus. Like I, I was like, that's some way out. That's like, that's like not Taoist one hundred and one anymore. That's three hundred level Taoist. Yeah. Class. Now, now we're in the university. Yeah. yeah. So it was like they meditate and, and visualize and create through their meditation this internal fetus. Yes. Right. That then overtakes the body. Yes. Right. Yes. Its energy overtakes the body until it becomes one with the body wow. and then when when the person is ready to separate yin and yang right yeah. then they leave the body behind like i like i described what some of the taoist adepts do and the spirit ascends and moves on to the higher realms of wow. existence and of course even you know even through kind of quantum mechanics and physics you know there's there's a talk about alternate universes and parallel universes and different dimensions of being and awareness and consciousness. And uh, it, I think it's a, it's a nice parallel to how this, this, this metaphor of creating this immortal fetus, which, they, which many, of course, would say it's not a metaphor, that this, <laughs> that this, this energetic being is actually being created within. Mm -hmm. And when we, that, we become one with that and it lifts because its energy of course is so much lighter than the dense heavy body it comes right out of the crown chakra you know the, at yeah. the top of the skull and just move, moves up the ladder yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like um, 2001 a space odyssey right you have this uh, moment uh, where we're at spoiler alert at the end of the film, you have this star yes. child, yes. right? And, and it's almost yes. like this immortal fetus. It's the immortal fetus for, the, for all of humanity, yeah. moving into the next realm of existence, right. an awakening, yeah. an enlightenment, right? a renaissance, which I think we desperately need, by the way, uh, yeah. right now in this planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, l a little late in coming. Come on, renaissance. But yeah, it's funny. It's... It's that weird thing where when I first time saw that film, I... My all-time favorite film, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's in my top five. Some, some days I'll say it's my favorite film. Some days it's like top five, but I, yeah, I agree. And the first time I saw it, I saw the ending and I didn't intellectually understand it. But it was somewhere inside my being, it... It was some weird, uh, what were these, these uh, thing, you know, archetypes. It was like this yeah. archetype, this this fresh thing that was in me that it hit. It it struck a chord that was kind of beyond understanding or words, or it was like, oh, whoa, that's it, right? It, it was really heavy, and I don't, and, and it's almost like you can't really explain it when the star child <laughs> comes. You know, the, the the movie hits on, you know, just these big landmark yes. moments where humans. You know, kind of transform light years yes. away and yes. have this human renaissance and yes. the, the last stage of that. And it's like real heavy. My wife doesn't like the movie. I, I say, well, what do you, what do you not liking? This is the greatest. I don't get it. <laughs> oh well. But so it, it, the the big deal, uh, the the big takeaway. It, I almost feel like the the immortality is kind of a a, tr a true north of the Taoist practice. Yeah, you know what I'm not, not necessarily something you're going mm -hmm. to attain, but a a light at the end of the tunnel. Or this is the, the direction things should be going. Yeah, speak, well, speaking of direction, you took the thought right out of my brain. What is the action of the Tao? Returning. To returning. Reverting to what? 
to where we came. Where do we come from? The void. Right. And so ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? Yeah. Same idea, mm-hmm. right? We return to the source. And since it, we came from that and we return to that, then what? Yeah. Then what? Maybe return yeah. again? Returning. Yeah. And so because everything comes out of this, this primordial source, it's the source of all things. It, it's the source of the Tao. It is, it is the Tao itself, as a matter of fact, uh, which contains everything, including everything that has been and everything which, at this level, is now immaterial. But when something is immaterial, what is it? It's potential. Yeah. It's energetic. It's, it's the quark it, that it, appears out of it, nowhere it, and disappears. Yes, it's yeah. this quantum stuff, you know. And uh, and so that cycle, and and even when here, if a, if a tree dies or something, and it falls into the ground, and then it becomes mulch, and out of that grows something brand yeah. new, right? It becomes very fertile. It becomes food. Yeah, it becomes fer- it becomes the source of fertility for new life. Yeah. And and so this this kind of this coming and going, this uh, embodying and disembodying, you know, that process has been going on for billions and billions of years. And the, and we ourselves are the product of what? A billion stars and suns that right. have exploded and out of their explosion coalesced Earth and us. Yeah. Right? And so and so what what's death? No. What is it? It's the most mysterious thing and yet the most natural thing mm-hmm. because things come and they go, but then they come again. Right. Then they come again. And how in touch with that process are we in, in terms of both the becoming, the being and becoming aspect and the letting go that then allows for something new to come into existence? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's also I think it's a metaphor for, for daily life, too. You know, the more we cling to you know, who we are or what we think we are or what we think we have, uh, if you cling too much to it, uh, then you're you're trying to hold on to what's uh, may have already outlived its usefulness, mm-hmm. because all of life is change, right. yeah, constant change, continual change. The Taoists have always said that the only constant in life yes. is in fact change. Right. So yes, very nice. So let's uh, let's finish her up here with a discussion on. Chapter 16, which I believe uh, leads nicely. Mm-hmm. And I read you the end of it a little while ago. Let's go to the beginning of chapter 16, which reads as follows. Empty yourself of everything. Let the mind rest at peace. The 10,000 things rise and fall while the self watches their return. They grow and flourish and then return to the source. Returning to the source is stillness, which is the way of nature. The way of nature is unchanging. Knowing constancy is insight. Knowing Not knowing constancy leads to disaster. Mm-hmm. Knowing constancy, the mind is open. With an open mind, you will be open-hearted. Being open-hearted, you will act royally. Being royal, you will attain the divine. Being divine, you will be at one with the Tao. Being at one with the Tao is eternal. And though the body dies, the Tao will never pass away. Nice. 
Isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful because it's it's a slow rising progression and returning. Yes. Right. We go we we go up all the way up the ladder. Returning to the source is stillness, which is the way of nature. Hmm. Hmm. So how does one to to get practical here? How does one practice stillness? Well, there there's two at least two ways of of attaining stillness. One is stillness through stillness, <laughs> yeah. and the other is stillness through motion or action. And this mutual containment of both action and stillness, of both motion and its absence, is really what a lot of Taoism is really all about. So, uh, probably the traditional way of attaining stillness, of course, is meditation. Mm-hmm. And in meditation, you literally sit down, you sit still, (laughs) and you just, without an agenda, you just observe. You observe your mind, which, of course, is the monkey mind. It's chattering and running a million miles an hour, perhaps. But if you observe your mind, you're not in your mind. (laughs) And if you observe your emotions, you're less in your emotions. If you observe your body, you're not so much in your body. Now you're in this observer position. And the observer is much more still than the mind and the body and the emotions, which, of course, can be complete chaos (laughs) in many people very often. And so the practice of meditation is learning how to sit with that and just observe, just observe that. And strengthen the part of you that is just observing the mind. Strengthen the observer which many, many people, the average, I think the average person, is, is completely unaware of the existence of the observer. And the observer is, I think, more closely connected with the source of all. Mm. Uh, in other words, it's, it's, it's in alignment with the Tao, mm-hmm. uh, rather than these the 10,000 things, right, 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 which are part of the Tao, but they are they are the manifestations of the Tao, and we're trying to get back, of course, to the the, the original source. Right. You know what? Is, how did they say here? The ten thousand things rise and fall, while the self watches their return. There it is. Lao yeah. Tzu telling us exactly how to do it. Right. <laughs> right here in the Tao Te Ching right. are his instructions on how to do this. Right. Now, okay, so let's let's roll through this one again. By the way, let's let's start back up at the top. Now that we've taken, and then there's oh, one more comment I have on that, and then we. Um, yeah, Empty yourself just, of everything. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's, yeah, let's just start, start back up at the top here. Oh, oh, the, the, em, that is the... Oh. Empty yourself of everything. Let the mind rest at peace. See, again, he, th- th- these are meditation instructions. Yeah. Now, now, I mentioned there's two ways really to approach this. One is through quiet, seated meditation. Absolutely essential. Uh, we pretty much have to do that if we're going to really make a lot of progress. However... Much of your day, you're not just sitting and watching your thoughts and watching these things. You're doing things. You're doing 10,000 things, right? right? <laughs> Tending to the 2,000. Yeah. <laughs> Performing See, maintenance on the right. 10,000. But in what state of being and mind are you doing the 10,000 things? Are you frantic? Are you distracted? Are you annoyed, upset, driving, cursing at the people who are cutting you off? You know? Or are you watching 
also, you know, the things that you, the skills that you have developed through quiet sitting, now can you apply this to daily life? So that when you're doing your work, when you're driving, when you're cooking, when you're cleaning, when you're talking, when you're interacting, when you're planning, when you're doing the 10,000 things that you must do every single day, are you doing it with a new spirit? With a spirit that doesn't have you so trapped in what you're doing that you can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. You you aligned yourself with the field, and now, just like you were noticing your thoughts and noticing your breath and noticing your emotions, now, as you are doing and engaged in all these activities, another part of you is noticing that that is what you're doing. And because you're noticing it, you're not as caught up and trapped in the often the pettiness of a lot of the things that we have to do every day. Because a lot of the things that you see people get upset about are really petty. (laughs) And yet they elevate this to great importance, right? Oh, a car pulled in front of me. Eh, eh, And they're blowing their horn and they're yelling and screaming out the window and they're throwing things at them. You know, I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. You know, how how much is this going to slow you down from reaching your destination? Ten seconds? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's good. <laughs> the, the person is taking it personal, everything that's going on. Yeah, because yeah. now everything's become tied in with their ego. And the ego is that part of the self that wants to be right. Right. Often and at the expense of other people being wrong. And the ego is so damn petty. It's petty. It's fragile. And it's illusion. It's an illusion. It's illusionary, because ultimately, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. You know, the, again, the greatest illusion is this illusion of separation, uh, because if we really could see things as they are, we would see everything that our eyes gaze upon as being what they are, which is pure energy. Mm-hmm. And we're all in this interconnected field, the Tao, of pure energy. And we are pure energy. And so is the next person. Just like the tree and the wall and the floor and the ceiling and everything else. And so if we're all just kind of separate manifestations, uh, at least in appearance, of really the same energetic field, what are we getting upset about? Right. What are we getting upset about? We're all animated by the same thing. And, and, and we have these imaginary lines, boundaries, right? Yeah. Borders. Ah, my country, right or wrong. I'm on this side of the border and you're on that side of the border. And if you cross this border, I want to kill you. Yeah. It's all very arbitrary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, and these lines change, of course, throughout history, right? Yeah, yeah. They, you know, to the victor go the spoils, right? right. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's very arbitrary. And it's led to the current state of the world where you have all these groups having all this animosity towards each other. And what if you sat and asked the father and mother on this side of the line and the father and mother on that side of the line, what is important to them, for them and their family, their children, they would all tell you the exact same thing. Right. So what's the difference? It's all the ego and the arbitrariness. What's the difference? The pettiness. There isn't, there is no difference. And yet we have all these manufactured, made up, created the 10,000 differences that don't amount to a hill of beans. They don't amount to anything. And so ultimately, I think the Taoist prescription is one for universal peace and love. 
because I, I mentioned, I think, in one of the earlier shows that that a, a Taoist is any conscious being, a truly conscious being, becomes conscious first of themselves. But then as you look around, you see all these other things, other people, uh, uh, other objects. And so as a curious being, you want to know, oh, what's this about? What are you about? Uh, wh- who are you? And, and, and then once I get to know you and understand you, I can relate to you with compassion. Mm-hmm. And so out of curiosity comes understanding, which leads to compassion. And that is the way of the Tao. That's Taoist politics, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're going to end on that right there. Thank you, C. Joe. You're very welcome. Uh, We'll be back uh, on uh, our next show. Was it show 12? And uh, we're going to talk about some other texts besides the Tao Te Ching. We're going to get into uh, some practical stuff here, some Qigong, and, of course, another chapter. Thank you.